It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. First, we have the latest on the legal entanglements of Donald Trump. The former president is set to appear in a Washington federal court today to face charges he conspired to obstruct the 2020 presidential election. Bloomberg's Amy Morris has details from our 99.1 newsroom in Washington. The hearing will likely be short, with Trump's attorneys doing most of the talking. Trump is expected to be arraigned in person. That means he'll have to enter an initial plea. U.S. Marshals Service spokesman Drew Wade says Trump will be processed first. He'll have his fingerprints taken digitally. He'll be required to provide a Social Security number, date of birth, address, and other personal information. But there will be no mugshot, since he is easily recognizable, and there are many photographs already available. He will not be placed under arrest, as this was a summons for his appearance in court, not an arrest warrant. Today's hearing is set for 4 p.m. Eastern Time. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, the latest charges against former President Trump may be worse than Watergate. That's what we're hearing from someone with firsthand knowledge of the subject. John Dean served as White House counsel for President Nixon during Watergate. Nixon's Watergate was like a lightning bug. Trump's behavior is like a lightning storm in that it threatens the entire structure of our democracy. Former White House counsel John Dean was a guest on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the show weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. And with former President Trump's arraignment today, Karen, U.S. Capitol Police are preparing for large and possibly rowdy crowds. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has that part of the story. The Capitol, of course, is a bit on edge for obvious reasons. Capitol Police had a report of an active shooter yesterday, and this time around, Police Chief Thomas Manger says they're in coordination with their partners. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. We've had a couple of phone calls today, so yeah, we're prepared. Trump will head into the courthouse through an underground entrance and may not even be seen during the entire proceeding. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Meanwhile, we're learning more about the proposed plea deal between Hunter Biden and Prosecutors. A judge has unsealed the proposal. It shows Hunter Biden earned more than $4 million from a Ukrainian energy company, a Chinese private equity firm, and other sources. That's over the course of two years, where the agreement says he descended deeper into substance abuse. A lawyer for Biden did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Let's turn back to the markets now, Karen, where much of the commentary remains focused on this week's downgrade of the U.S. credit rating. Now, two former Treasury secretaries are flagging concerns over the nation's long-term fiscal challenges. Timothy Geithner says the U.S. has enormous capacity to deal with its budget deficit. The man he succeeded, Hank Paulson, agrees, but Paulson says the government needs to act. We're a rich country, and we've got time to deal with it. But we need to do some things in, in, in the next few years to, to, to change that trajectory. 
Hank Paulson and Timothy Geithner spoke to our David Weston on Bloomberg's Wall Street Week. You can catch the entire conversation tomorrow at 6 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Television or subscribe to the Bloomberg Wall Street Week podcast. It's available on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen. And Nathan, the news from Fitch Ratings appears to be putting the brakes on this year's stock rally. Bloomberg's John Tucker joins us with the details. Good morning, John. Good morning, Karen. The S&P 500 racked up its worst day since April, falling 1.4%. The high-flying Nasdaq 100 registered a 2% sell-off. It was a confluence of events fueling the sell-off. There was the Fitch downgrading U.S. debt. Then a hotter-than-expected jobs report from ADP. That fueled inflation concerns. And then the government announced it would have to sell more debt to pay the cost of a ballooning deficit. That also had Treasury sell-off, pushing 10-year yields to around 4.15%. That's the highest this year. And the sell-off comes just as a host of market gurus were upping their year-end forecasts. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Overseas today, we are following the latest policy decision from the Bank of England. Economists anticipate at least a quarter percentage point increase, with a strong chance the central bank hikes as much as 50 basis points. That decision comes at 7 a.m. Wall Street time. And we're also following earnings, Nathan. This afternoon, we get results from Apple and Amazon. Apple is expected to report its third consecutive year-over-year revenue decline, while traders are watching Amazon for word on growth in its cloud computing business. Well, we've already got earnings, Karen, from one big tech heavyweight, Qualcomm's forecasts disappointed, and the shares right now are down 8.5%. We get the details from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It indicates that demand for mobile devices remains weak, even as the industry emerges from a glut. Qualcomm said sales will be $8.1 billion to $8.9 billion. The midpoint of that range is well below the $8.79 billion average estimate compiled by Bloomberg. The outlook renews concerns about a smartphone industry contending with its worst downturn in years. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. Well, shares of Robinhood are also feeling the pain this morning. They're down 6% after monthly active users missed estimates. Robinhood reported net revenue that outperformed, but also said that crypto revenue fell 47% from the prior year. Now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The State Department has ordered non-emergency U.S. government employees and eligible family members to leave the U.S. Embassy in Niger after a coup in that country. And now comes word the Wagner Mercenary Group is operating nearby Mali. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller. We don't know how he's being treated. We don't know if he's if he's eaten. We don't know... If he's being tortured, we'll know if he's... Any attempt by the the military leaders in Niger to bring the Wagner forces into Niger would be a sign, uh, yet another sign, that they do not have the best interests of the Nigerian people at heart. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller says they are also advising U.S. citizens to not travel to Niger. It's been more than two weeks since 23-year-old U.S. Army Private Second Class Travis King ran across the demilitarized zone into North Korea. His family speaking out. His uncle Myron Gates telling ABC's Good Morning America that they are looking for any information. But the U.N. command says it's not giving 
out any details about Pyongyang's response at this time because it, quote, doesn't want to interfere with the efforts to bring him home. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is cutting his Italy vacation short following the death of Lieutenant Governor Sheila Oliver. Bloomberg's Nancy Lyons has the very latest. An aide says Governor Murphy is cutting short his Italy vacation and will return to the state later this afternoon. Lieutenant Governor Sheila Oliver died this week from an undisclosed medical condition. She'd been serving as acting governor while Murphy was away. She was the first black woman to hold statewide elected office in New Jersey, winning the vote alongside Murphy in 2017 and again in 2021. She was a well-known figure in state government and made history in 2010 by becoming the first black woman to lead the state assembly. Murphy will have to name a new lieutenant governor within 45 days. Nancy Lyons, Bloomberg Radio. Some military veterans are suing to get access to infertility treatments. The lawsuits claim the Defense Department and the Department of Veterans Affairs are making it close to impossible for veterans to get infertility treatments. CBS reports the lawsuits seek to obtain in vitro fertilization coverage for military service members and veterans who don't fit the Veterans Affairs definition of infertility as pertaining to solely married heterosexual couples. Global News 24 hours a day powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris and this is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Amy, thank you. It is 5.09 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. John. Karen, the Big Ten Conference used to have 10 schools. Then they added Penn State, then Nebraska, next to join Rutgers and Maryland. So the conference currently actually has 14 schools. And USC and UCLA are set to join the Big Ten next year. And now the Big Ten is exploring further expansion, talking to Washington and Oregon since the Pac-12 seems to be on the verge of crumbling with the departures of USC, UCLA, and now Colorado is going to be leaving to rejoin the Big 12. As for Florida State, looking to leave the ACC, upset that its conference is changing its revenue distribution model. Seven current or former athletes at Iowa and Iowa State now facing criminal gambling charges. Who's going to be the new quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bucks? Tom Brady is retired. Baker Mayfield is in and currently the number one. But Kyle Trapp, the former Florida Gator, who the Bucks drafted in 2021, is said to be closing in on Mayfield for the starting QB job. Baseball, the Red Sox lost in Seattle 6-3. The Nationals with a walk-off win over Milwaukee 3-2. Brewers are a half game behind Cincinnati in the NL Central. The Reds just lost twice to the Cubs, giving up a total of 36 runs in those two games. Toronto ended a five-game home losing streak with a 4-1 win over Baltimore. The Blue Jays have the lead for the second AL wild card. Giants beat Arizona 4-2. The A's lost to the Dodgers in L.A. 10-1. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. 
Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. Fitch has downgraded the U.S. credit rating, and it is a move that rippled through markets yesterday and had many commentators shaking their heads, asking why. To get the answer and the thinking behind the move, let's hear from one of the people who made the decision. Richard Francis is co-head of America's sovereign ratings at Fitch. He says the downgrade was due to weakening U.S. fiscal metrics and governance. Richard Francis of Fitch sat down with Bloomberg's Shanali Basic to discuss the decision. Let's listen in to that conversation now. It's worth talking a little bit about the criteria you set out about a year ago about what it would take to get to a downgrade, because some of the things have changed in terms of the picture. Let's start with the rise in debt to GDP ratio. The significant and sustained rise did not be so significant or sustained. So why is that not factored in here in terms of the decision made more recently? Well, um, the the debt bubble has been rising, rising quite significantly. If you look at before the great financial crisis in 2007, debt to GDP was uh, uh, at below 60 percent. Now it's 113 percent. Um, the 113 percent is almost three times higher than the triple A median, and it's more than twice as high as the double A median. So you've had a sustained, uh, you, know, you know, deterioration over the years. Um, yes, debt to GDP peaked uh, after during the pandemic at 120 percent and has come down, um, and that's because you know inflation and high nominal GDP growth, and also the uh, you know the, the withdrawal of the stimulus, uh, especially last year. But now we're seeing debt levels starting to rise again, and we do not see them stabilizing. We we just see them continuing to rise um, in the in the next three years and probably more over the medium term, um, and that. 113% is still 13 percentage points higher than where it was before the pandemic. So you've had quite a deterioration on the, on the fiscal and debt side. I'd love for you to respond here to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who said that she disagrees with your decision and that it is based on outdated and arbitrary, uh, based on outdated data. I'm sorry. So if it is indeed based on outdated data, do you agree with that? And does that change the way that you look at the picture moving forward? I um I, I understand why she's not happy with it with a downgrade. Um, that's that's that makes sense. Um, I, I think what she's referring to specifically are governance indicators that we use from the World Bank. Um, they come out once a year. They tend to be a little bit backward looking. We use it because it's we have that data for every country in the world, and it comes out once a year, and we're able to 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 use it for comparison's sake, and not just say a Fitch uh, coming up with this um, you know this underlying governance. Um, so, yes, it's a little bit backward looking. Um, but I think more importantly, over the last two decades, you've seen, again, a deterioration in even these indicators. Um, you know, the United States tar- started kind of at the top of, of, of governance toward the top at 91 percentile, um, and now it's down to 78 percentile. So, again, you see a kind of continuous deterioration uh, over the last two decades. What does this mean for the risk-free rate here? If the idea here is that treasuries are not as risk-free as they had been with a gold standard AAA rating here, what does this mean for broader markets? And do other countries, do other securities face further risk of downgrade given how much the treasury market had underpinned the financial markets? You know, I think one of the rating strengths of the U.S., the other key rating strength in addition to the, the, the dynamic economy that I mentioned earlier 
is the um, the reserve currency status of the United States. It's un, uh, it's unparalleled. Um, there's no other. There's not really much of an alternative. The the, the Treasury market's deep and liquid, and this gives the, the U.S. government tremendous financing flexibility. And I think that is a very key uh, rating factor. And the other thing I would have to mention is, you know, double A plus is the second highest rating we have. It's not it's not a low rating. It's not you know it's still a very high rating. It's just me. We're just saying that we do not think that the the underlying fiscal story and or and the governance uh, it, it, you know is compatible with AAA anymore. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as simple like as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+.